There's only one thing I love more than coming on this program and telling you how amazing Built Bars are, and that is actually eating Built Bars. Look at me. Do you think I eat them as directed? No. I'm the kind of guy that says, wow, wait a minute, holy, these are made with real chocolate. They taste like candy bars, and they only have 130 calories. That means I could eat like seven of them. Not necessarily recommended, but Built.com is where you can find Built Bars. They are a protein bar uh, that are just fantastic. I've never liked protein bars. Uh, they belong generally in a nuclear waste dump someplace, but not Built Bars. Made again with real chocolate and flavor is number one. Usually about four carbs uh, and 17 grams of protein and 130 calories. Built.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get 15% off your order. Use the promo code BECK. Save 15% now at Built.com. That's Built.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Friday. It's not enough to win and stop the Democrats. It's not. Where is our positive agenda? What should we be doing if and when there is a red wave or tsunami? We begin that discussion in 60 seconds. There are lots of ways, big and small, that you can have an effect on the way the country is headed. Getting out and voting next week is huge. The biggest thing you can do. But there are also ways you can shield yourself against the effects of where our country is right now and where it's headed. No matter who wins, I'm telling you now, the economy is going to go through the floor. It's not good what they've done. And we may be past the point of no return on trying to avoid a deep, deep recession or depression. I don't know, but we've got to stop the spending at the same time we're raising interest rates. It's doing nothing for inflation except hurting the people. Now, if you believe that the dollar is sound, this isn't for you. I don't. I believe it's just the best thing out there right now, but as soon as somebody comes up with something better, it's gone. We have at Goldline, uh, they have asked me to design a series of coins. They're the Stand With God series, and we launched them. The first one had Benjamin Franklin on uh, the face. This is the second coin in the series now, and when they're gone, they're gone. The second one is the Mayflower. 
the Mayflower celebrating the 400th uh, anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower. That's on one side and on the reverse on both coins is the parting of the Red Sea with Moses. That was this is the actual design taken from Ben Franklin that he wanted to be the great seal of the United States right now. Goldline is including at no cost five silver rounds and five copper rounds of these, the new gold Mayflower. Every tube of the new quarter ounce gold Mayflower commemorative, you get five silver rounds, five copper rounds of the same thing. It is 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Take advantage of the special today. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Rachel Brevard is uh, with us now. She is the Senior Director of Policy at the Conservative Partnership Institute. Um, Rachel was on a podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, had a great conversation. She is in her 30s. She's a big thinker and is talking about the things that we should all be talking about. Instead of just freaking out about what they're doing, what should we conserve and what should we get rid of? What is our agenda? Rachel's on to talk about that with me. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Good to be with you again. Thank you. So uh, I'm looking at the commitment uh, to America. And this is Kevin McCarthy's uh, plan. And, um, you know, there's some really important things on it. But I don't think there's any really huge thinking uh, on this at all and they're redesigning all of america w- why aren't we talking about fundamental changes in our in our uh approach to freedom i think because there is still no agreement on the right that that's even necessary and you know you and i have discussed this before but there's just You know, the Republican conference in the House and the Senate is a lagging indicator always of where the base of the country is. And in some respects, that's by design, right? We're supposed to rule in this country from the bottom up, not down. But the top has to get it at some point. And my hope is that with this election, they do. The problem Mm. is Republicans... They always learn the wrong lessons from winning an election. They, they think, oh, you know, we've been given power because we said the right things and they must love us. No, in this case, especially the voters are coming to you because they want the beatings to stop. Right. right. They're coming to you because the other guy has just gone so completely insane that, you know, they don't love Republicans. They just think maybe they'll be less crazy. Right. So instead of thinking they've won a mandate, they actually have to prove themselves. And, you know, I don't see a whole ton of sweeping inspiration, to be completely honest, in that document. But what I'm really going to look at, which I think people should really hone in on to see how serious these guys are, is when they come back in December in the lame duck session, the first thing they're going to have to deal with is a government funding site. Yes. There are some Republicans right now who are saying we should just pass a year a year-long funding bill, a massive omnibus package. No, 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 no. Why no. on earth? Why on earth would you? And just put this in very plain terms: what that would do was essentially is essentially lock in all these insane leftist Democratic priorities for the next year. Why on earth would you, a newly elected Congress, just cut your legs out from under you if you're a Republican majority? I have to tell you, I I am for putting together, let's say, uh, a bill that will. Uh, you know, keep it functioning for the next four months 
until you have your crap together to then stop this, put a new budget together, pass it, have the appropriations committee, put them back into work and start turning things off. You can't without the power of the purse. You will not stop the DOJ. You will not stop the Department of Education. You will not stop the IRS. You, you just won't. You'll have hearings so, and that's it. Yes. So much of what is happening in this country is funded through the federal government. And that's exactly and what you laid out, I think, is exactly right. What they need to do is that short term funding bill, a short term continuing resolution to February or March of next year. And then they really dig into how the federal government is funding this tyranny against us, because, as you point out, with the power of the purse, that is how you control the bureaucracy. That is how you control all these agencies. And I'm sorry, I think oversight hearings are great, but not if they're not tied to legislative. Action. Correct. They, they have no teeth. Who cares? You're calling you're calling, um, uh, you know, the CDC up in front uh, to say, oh, we want to know what's really going on. You have no teeth. What are you going to do about it? I want answers and I want them now. Otherwise, sir, you don't get any more funding. You're, we'll be laying everyone off tomorrow. Now, come in here with the answers. Um, it, it, the, um, the thing that I think, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. I think Monday, uh, sorry, Wednesday, we should uh, all pledge to each other that we are going to hold these people responsible and we are going to be in their face all the time. And the first thing that we have to do is get rid of Mitch McConnell. Mitt Romney just (laughs) tweeted yesterday that Mitch McConnell is really all the thanks to this coming red wave should go to Mitch McConnell. He saved us. Are you out of your mind? It's in spite of Mitch McConnell. Yes, that was one of the most tone deaf things I've seen. And I I work in Republican politics, so I see a lot of tone deaf things every day. But Mm. that was really significantly bad, especially when you consider Mitch McConnell pulled money out of winnable Senate seats in Arizona and New Hampshire. And in Utah, he hasn't spent a single penny supporting incumbent Mike Lee. And Mitt Romney has not, you know, the same state colleague has also not endorsed Mike Lee, which is just insane. Mitch McConnell is taking credit for Joe Biden's accomplishments, essentially, because he has not really done anything in my mind, you know, to, to really push this majority across the finish line. He wants people who agree with him. That's who he funds. And if you threaten to become an independent thinker in the Senate, you will not receive funding from Mitch McConnell. Right. So I not only think voters have to be aware of this dynamic, but I think Kevin McCarthy is going to have to stand up to McConnell as well, because especially on these funding battles, even if McCarthy keeps his conference in line, his biggest opponent is across the Capitol in Mitch McConnell, in Senate appropriators, in Senate Republicans, you know, who want to see these massive bloated funding bills that do nothing except for, you know, potentially fund the war in Ukraine. That's what they want. They don't want any accountability. They don't want to fight for the priorities that people care about. They don't want to rock the boat. So what we have to see from McCarthy is aggression, I think, against Senate Republicans. Do you you think we will see? Is McCarthy just another empty, you know, power lover? Or do you think he actually wants to fix the system? So I think McCarthy is an operator, right? You don't reach that position without being one. But I will say this. This is my candid assessment is that he is 
running and playing smarter than John Boehner or Paul Ryan ever did. And I think he is actually open to being led a little bit by his conference in ways those two were not. You saw a very adversarial relationship between Boehner and Ryan and the conservatives in his conference. McCarthy has at least rhetorically been open to them, and that's encouraging. So I don't know how he's going to end up, um, but I, I hope that he understands the stakes of this moment. And, and to be honest, it's been shoved in his face to some extent. Pelosi has ruined the House of Representatives. House Democrats are have just gone completely insane, and McCarthy has to see that. I mean, it's been in his own workplace. So I think maybe perhaps better than Senate Republicans, he understands how the, the absolute lunacy that's taken over the Democratic Party. And so I hope that that is a mugging by reality <laughs> that forces him to deal with these things. So, um, I mean, I know the policies, but what has Nancy Pelosi broken in the in the house well i mean you just look at if you, if you want to talk about the rules she you know has stripped the last vestige of any minority rights that existed in the house at all um she gutted the motion to recommit uh she has removed any check on her own power um the motion to vacate the chair which is what mark Mose used to unseat john boehner that's now gone because you know she wouldn't want that being used against right. her But then also look at the January 6th committee. I don't think people fully grasp how that turned the institution upside down. It is the most powerful committee that's ever existed in Congress, where suddenly you can demand the text messages and emails of your own colleagues, where you can demand that on U.S. citizens with no check at all. You can haul, you know, your political opposition into depositions and you can threaten them with um, contempt of Congress and subpoenas that has never happened before ever in Congress. And now those precedents exist. If Republicans want to use them, they can, but she has fundamentally destroyed any attempt at collegiality in the house of representatives. And I, I would hope that that come back, comes back to bite them to some extent. Um, you know, and I haven't even discussed proxy voting, the shame of proxy voting oh, it's horrible. in the House of Representatives, horrible. You know, magnet, magnetometers to enter the House floor. I, I mean, to me, who spent a lot of time working in the House of Representatives, the institution is unrecognizable. Um, Rachel, the um, one of the priorities has to be that we root out all of the uh, the things, you know, uh, we sit down with Fauci. And find out, were you lying? And if you were lying, he should be tried. And if he's found guilty, jailed. Um, We have to start fixing some of these things that are so wildly broken, where we know people have done wrong. And Fauci, I believe there's enough evidence there to put the man in jail. But let's, let's actually do the right thing and have a fair hearing and a fair trial. Um, When it comes to the president... This president is so deep in corruption that he cannot serve the rest of his term. If the Republicans start on all of these hearings and the economy goes through the floor, the Republicans are just going to be they're going to say they're nothing but a do nothing Congress. All they care about is hearings and trials and they could lose support. What should they do? So 
There's two things that I I really only want to see from this Congress in the next two years. And I say the next two years because we are potentially, well, very likely in a divided government where you have a Democratic president and a Republican Congress. Joe Biden is not is going to fight tooth and nail against any major Republican legislation. So the only two things I want to see out of this Congress are funding fights, where, again, as we just discussed, yes. so much of this tyranny is, is operating through these funding bills and impeachments. And I mean impeachments, plural. <laughs> yeah, because I agree. What we have learned, what we have learned from the Durham investigation, what we've learned from all these special counsel investigations and DOJ, they never punish anyone. Correct. No one is ever held accountable. And that's disappointing. But I think the lesson there is the only accountability these guys have will be is through is through Congress, is through congressional impeachment. And so the only thing I want to see from divided government is funding fights and impeachments. And if they are not prepared to turn oversight in that direction, then the oversight is meaningless. And I think there's a great temptation you know, for that to happen because every member loves to go to these oversight hearings and create a viral YouTube moment, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's all they're good for. What we need are people doing the hard work, people going through the documents, people subpoena, issuing subpoenas for bureaucrats, hauling them before Congress, you know, demanding documents, and then taking that information and holding them accountable for it. I, I will tell you, I will tell you, if they do just those two things, but they do them at a rapid, breathtaking pace, they have a chance of actually turning the country around and being uh, looked upon as more than just, uh, you know, a do-nothing Congress. They've got to move quickly and get through it as fast as they can uh, and as reasonably as they can. Nobody wants to see a long, drawn-out thing. They've had four years now, or uh, three years, on Hunter Biden. You should have all of that. Let's go. Get it done. Move on. Um, because the American people, uh, they need to see the, you're exactly right, the funding cut off from these things. Somebody has got to stand up against it uh, and against these executive orders. And if it's not Congress this time around, I don't know if the if people will ever re- elect Republicans again. I think there's they need to understand how serious this is. Uh, people want to see action. And, you know, you have to kind of clear through this oversight mess, hold people accountable, get the funding bills under control in terms of what we're spending, but also what we're spending it on. Yes. And then, you know, with hopefully with that in the rearview mirror, you know, you have a Republican president in 2024. You have a Republican Congress that can come in with an actual forward looking agenda and begin to implement those big changes, those big reforms to the country, um, you know, and and save us from this downward spiral. Yeah. But, you know, we can't just do the talking points. We can't just be pounding the dais in hearing rooms. We have to do the hard work. And to your point, we have to do it quickly. And I think that is um, what is on our shoulders. They won't do it if we just go to the ballot box, vote them in, and then just let them run. We've got to be on them every step of the way. Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate it. God bless. Oh, my pleasure. You bet. You okay. can uh, find her work at cpi.org uh, and follow her on Twitter at Rachel Brevard. Uh, Blinds.com would like to uh, invite you in for an amazing sale. 
It's uh, Veterans Day right around the corner, and Blinds.com is offering huge savings to everybody, up to 50% off site-wide during the Veterans Day sale. Now, you'll make a noticeable difference in the way your home looks, um, and Blinds.com is one place you can go for anything that has anything to do with window treatments, blinds, drapes, shutters, even the really cool stuff like uh, motorized shades. You can find all of it at blinds.com. They have the latest styles, fabrics, materials, and they have a team of experts who can help help you pick the right thing for your home. So when, you, when you're all said and done, it has transformed your home at a very inexpensive price. It's blinds.com. 100% satisfaction guaranteed at blinds.com. Their Veterans Day sale now through uh, November 11th. You can save 50% off site-wide at blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 10 seconds, station ID. I know Stu has a huge weekend. Uh, yeah, because you... I've got to start like really f- building, finalizing all these spreadsheets and these dumb things that I have to put yeah. together. Because I mean, you, you go through a lot of it with, with all the polls, but I, you have to have a certain thing built for the election night. And I got to do that this weekend. That's, yeah. my, that's my dumb weekend. I know. He's going to be spending uh, up to his elbows in numbers. He's such a... He's such a man's man. You know, this is how I get the chicks. I you know, know, I know this it is. This is why they're I know. always around, you I know. know. I know. I, I, I don't, know. you know, some others don't see them, but in my mind, I see them. When do you finalize your, uh, your forecast? Doing the big uh, reveal on Monday on Stu Does America. Mm-hmm. I would encourage people to join. We do the final uh, board for, uh, mm. for the Senate <laughs> and for governors as well, going through all of the races. There's still several that... I would prefer to keep in a toss-up category as long as humanly possible. Right. Uh, but eventually, we have to put them to one side or the other, so we'll do that on uh, on Monday. Uh, also, talk about the House. I would like to, you know, one thing we have not been able to dive in as much as I would like is the ballot initiatives, which are always an interesting part of this. And there's yeah. a bunch of them out there as well. Really important ones. Yeah, so maybe we can get into that a little bit on radio on Monday, because yeah. that, that would be worth going through. Uh, but... I mean, you know, watching these polls, there are several races. The Fetterman one is still up in the air. Both Arizona races are close enough that they could go either way. Uh, If, you know, the typical polling error, which is usually a few points, even if polls are decent, they're usually a few points. Depending on which way that goes, it's the control of the Senate. It's uh, it's not quite the House, probably, but a lot of these close races could go either way. And you could see 53, 54 for Republicans, maybe even more. You could see 53 or 54 for Democrats, too. It's not crazy. You lose the Senate. If you can't get control of the Senate, uh, we're in real trouble. We're in real trouble. The Glenn Beck Program. Wow, it's kind of like, yeah, Tuesday really is kind of important for the Republic. Um, It's a lot easier to prevent identity from being stolen than it is to deal with all the problems once it has been stolen. You can easily lose not only your money in a situation like this, but your credibility and your good name, the things you've worked hard for. The only thing you really own is your good name. Getting your credibility back can be harder than getting your money back, quite honestly. It's important to understand cybercrime and how identity theft will affect your life. Right now, it, times are tough, and it's hard to come up with you know, something. you got to cut something. May I suggest not cutting 
your uh, your cyber protection. No one can prevent all of this stuff from happening to you, but LifeLock by Norton, I think, is the best. They have access to a restoration team in case you do end up having your information hacked. And to me, that is just as part important as the preventative measures to keep you safe. LifeLock.com offering 25% off with the promo code back. LifeLock.com, 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, LifeLock.com, promo code back. Head over to blazetv.com slash midterms. The promo code is red wave to save 30 bucks. This is the Glenn Beck program. There is something that is, I find, extraordinarily disturbing. Uh, and the Supreme Court is hearing the case right now. Um about the First Amendment and protecting parody, believe it or not. This is why it is so um, important. There is a, um, a new poll out that I talked about yesterday, uh, sorry, last hour, that 45% of college students believe that hate speech should be punished with execution. Forty five percent. We have lost the idea of the Bill of Rights and it's slipping away profoundly. The case that is being heard now in the Supreme Court is about the onion and something that the onion did. Who knew they were even in existence still? Um, but they did a parody about um, this police force, and I'm not going to get into all of it. Uh, but it wasn't really funny, um, but it doesn't matter. It's not about whether it's funny or not. It's, it's whether or not we are going to start prosecuting people for, for their opinions, their ideas, or their comedy. Imagine something like Saturday Night Live if the Republicans were in charge and the DOJ would break down the doors and scoop up all the writers. That'd be insanity, right? Insanity. Well, that's what's happening. And if you lose the right to parody, I can guarantee you, people like me will not be on the air many days after that ruling. Seth Dillon is here. Uh, he is the CEO of the Babylon Bee, who has um, who has just filed uh, an amicus uh, brief to the Supreme Court and joining sides with the uh, with the Onion. Welcome, Seth. How are you? I am great. Good to be with you, Glenn. So, tell me about you know making fun of the police got the Onion into trouble. Tell me the consequences here if the Supreme Court doesn't get this right. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a, a situation where you had a guy. It, it was this guy, uh, Novak was his name. He was he was satirizing his local police department and uh, and making fun of them. And he actually got arrested and tossed into jail. And a jury did acquit him. Um, but, he, you know, he sued because they, they shouldn't be able to come after him for parody. Um, and so this case is now it's he's appealing all the way to the Supreme Court because a judge ruled in favor of the police uh, when, when he filed this lawsuit. So um, the implications are huge. I mean, look, this idea that joking about 
uh, powers above us, the authority. You know, this is what comedy is for. This is what satire is for. It's to hold people in power accountable. And and this idea that you could be arrested for it, I mean, this is a mockable idea. This itself needs to be mocked, but it also needs to be taken seriously. That's why we did file a brief, an actual real brief, uh, in support of of parody and satire because yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, not only would we not only would we be potentially subject to getting tossed in jail uh, for for jokes that the powers that be don't like, um, but you know it, it would just it would stifle uh, it would stifle any criticism of these powers. You know, and 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 that criticism is so important in healthy democracy. I got to tell you, this is the stuff that happened, you know, nineteen thirty three in Germany. You you could not make fun of the Nazis and they would scoop you up. And that's the last you, you know, you were ever seen uh, in in public. Uh, it is it is terrifying that the younger the youth of this nation, they don't understand freedom of speech. Yeah, well, they don't respect it. Well, you know, and this is the problem. Mockery, the reason mockery is so powerful, it's such a threat, is because it exposes foolishness. You know, it, 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 it undermines the power, right? And so these people in positions of power, when they're being mocked, they can't handle that. They don't want that. And so um, they do everything they can to try to make policies and guidelines that make it restricted so that you can't make these jokes. I mean, it's the reason that we're, we're locked out of Twitter is because we made a joke that was considered hateful conduct. And really, the joke was rooted in the truth. There's nothing hateful about it. It, right. it, it had it had a huge grain of truth in it. And so, you know, th- these are these are speech suppression methods. It's a way of controlling the narrative, and and it makes the comedian's job impossible because his job, the humorous job, is to poke holes in the narrative. So what if is, the system is rigged so that you can't do that? Um, then you know they're just protecting their power and and making sure that it stays in place unchecked. This ruling on parody would affect the comedy the comedy clubs and the comedians correct i mean they would have to be uh nervous that they'll be scooped up if they say something that's out of line well yeah yeah if you stretch it far enough sure um but you know really it's, it's targeted at at impertly this kind of mimicry that parody relies on you know parody parody you have to you mimic what's something that's real you exaggerate it um and so you start out serious and then finish with a punchline. Right, but that's... And, you know, the punchline is... That, that's, yeah, that's, that's Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. So it could absolutely impact comedians like that who, you know, the, these, these jokes that people think are real, like, like Tina Fey saying, I can, I can see Russia from my house and people thinking Sarah Palin said it. You know, like people think these things are real and absolutely jokes like that could get you in a lot of trouble if this becomes precedent. Um, how are you feeling about Twitter? In what sense? In what regard? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, okay. you've been banned from Twitter. Elon Musk has now taken over. He's fired a bunch of people. Yeah. But has yeah. he reached out? Has anybody reached out? Are you reaching out to them? Are you expecting to be reinstated? Well, I can't speak about that uh, on the record at this moment. Okay. Um, but I am hopeful that Musk, you know, Musk taking over Twitter is is a huge positive because he sees what the problem is here with speech. Uh, and he values free speech. He values he values robust public discourse, um, and he thinks that both sides should have a seat at the table. And so, what was happening at, at Twitter, where you basically had one side that was that was not just not dominating the discussion, but but you know they were 
they were in control of what, what can be said and what can't be said. Um, and they're using, they're using these euphemisms and they are euphemisms like misinformation and hate speech, um, as ways to, you know, curb speech that they don't like opinions that they don't like, um, uh, even facts that they don't like yeah. <laughs> actual, uh, factual truths that they don't like. Uh, and so, you know, he saw the danger of that. And, and, and I think that his desire to step in there, I do think that it's genuine, that it's, that it's about speech. It's not about, you know, it's not about money. He overpaid for this thing. It's, it's, uh, it's about making sure that free speech is preserved where it's, where it's actually taking place. And this is the modern public square. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Seth, thank you so much. Good luck on the uh, case. And uh, we're praying for you. You guys got to win. You have to win. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. You Appreciate bet. it very much. You bet. CEO of uh, the Babylon Bee. By the way, uh, you want to talk about uh, ESG and stifling speech and General Mills, Audi, and what a surprise, Pfizer have just joined the growing list of people that are saying, yeah, since Elon Musk came. I don't know if we should uh, advertise anymore. This is a great reset. This is just bullies from giant corporations. And uh, it's it's sickening. Listen, I want to talk to you about uh, a podcast that comes out everywhere you get your podcast tomorrow. It is available now at Blaze TV. It's Whitney Webb. Now, you may not know who she is. Um, but this podcast, 162, How Elites Will Create a New Class of Slaves, should introduce you to Whitney Webb and should also um, spur you on to do your own homework. She is somebody who was one of those kids, I think, you know, younger that, well, she was a contrarian, for one, and she didn't trust anybody. And so she would just go out and look it up herself. And she's continued that. Now she's 31 and she has uncovered some of the most dangerous stories of our lifetime. And it is eye-opening. She has a two-volume book out now called One Nation Under Blackmail, the sordid union between intelligence and crime that gave rise to Jeffrey Epstein. You would think that the Epstein story is about sex and everything else, and it is, but you will understand what was really going on and why you'll never find out anything about it because of her research. Her book is a thousand pages, well-documented. Um, we talked about that. We went into transhumanism. Well, if you don't know what that is, you will after oh you will um you'll understand what that is after this podcast um we talked about the world economic forum the tech elites uh elon musk um she is gonna tell you the uh plans of biden and why he's pushing for electric vehicles and how that's gonna end up i believe this is the most important hour that I've ever done in my career. I know that's quite a statement, but I felt that halfway through, and I think three quarters of the way through, I said that to her, and I reconfirmed it at the end. I believe that if you listen to this podcast and you do your own homework to verify everything, you will understand the world we are now living in that most people are dead asleep to.
even the most informed are still living in a quasi dream state. They haven't fully processed what is happening to the globe. This is a very important broadcast. Do not miss this one. It's episode 162, How Elites Will Create a New Class of Slaves, with Whitney Webb as my guest on the Glenn Beck Podcast, available right now for Blaze TV subscribers and available everywhere, wherever you get your podcast, first thing tomorrow. All right. As the economy struggles to right itself, as the housing market in particular begins to hopefully settle back into the normal range, uh, housing prices are starting to come down. Uh, you might be uh, thinking about taking a leap in real estate, and that is selling your house and buying a new one or uh, investing in another house. I would highly suggest land is really important and owning your own home is really important but not if you're going to be behind the eight ball so you need somebody who understands what's coming in this market can help time as best as anybody can but knows how to negotiate knows how to get everything buttoned up um, can get you to the right uh, people for the loan make sure that your family is is tight financially as possible and i mean that in a positive way real estate agents i trust.com is where you're going to find that real estate agent we have vetted these people six ways to sunday and we watch them closely they are not employees they don't work for us but we vet them and we we probably have now probably twelve thousand people on a waiting list and we don't take too many because we want to make sure we are watching everyone carefully so you get the best service possible this is a free service to you get a recommendation now at realestateagentsitrust.com realestateagentsitrust.com the Back program Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, the Supreme Court is hearing another very important case. This one is uh, Axon Enterprise versus FTC. It could it could put the FTC uh, into uh, a little closet, and that would change everything. It, they're about to have, if it comes out the right way, they would have much of the power. From not only the FTC, but I think from the entire administrative state uh, con- under control, the the if you're a company, you can't bring the FTC into court. OK, if the agency you say you're exceeding your authority, you don't have the right. You can't go to court. You have to spend years dealing with the FTC until all the internal hearings are done. Well, they wear you out, and by the time you would be able to sue, it's too late, it's over. Um, This is saying, no, no, no. If they overstep their bounds, you can go right to court. You can sue them immediately. That would change the administration, uh, administrative state entirely. Mm. It's a good step, 
assuming it goes the right way. That would be great. That, I mean, that's the administrative state is far too powerful and far too large. We always talk about the most important election that has ever happened, and it happens to always be the current election we're in. And, you know, it's something we've, we've mocked over the years. Like, everyone always says that. Everyone always says it's the biggest, uh, most important election. Part of the reason why it tends to be true is that every two years, the government is larger. Yes. Every two years, there is more invasion into your life. Every two Correct. years, there this administrative yep. state grows to the point where it micromanages your life a little bit more. So the people who are in charge of that administrative state are more so important. Remember that what the Democrats say, they always self-diagnose. They are saying that this election could be the end of democracy. Mm. Okay, That's their words. Democracy. We are a republic, not a democracy, and it is intentional. And it's time, if you don't know the difference, you need to look it up. Um, but what they're saying is their new world, the democracy that they want, not the republic, that this election could kill that. Yeah. And if this election goes the other way, the republic will die. This is the last possible election for a gasping republic. We've got to go out in very high numbers and save the republic. It is hanging by a thread. Get your vote in and overwhelm the system. It is critical. You do have the power. Do it. The Glenn Beck Program.